Luke chapter 11 this morning we're going to consider Jesus being accused of casting out a demon through Beelzebub. That's in Luke chapter 11 verse 14 through to 26. In our last visit to Luke's gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said that if fathers, he was speaking to his disciples there, believers in him and he said to the fathers if you are evil yet you know how to give good gifts to your sons how much more shall God the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit the graces the gifts of the Holy Spirit to all his children who ask him and it was seen that God's children are people who are trusting in Jesus as their saviour from sin God gives all good gifts to his people and he gives them the Holy Spirit. In today's passage, Jesus cast out an evil spirit, a demon, and chapter 11 verse 14 tells us that the people wondered. As to what they wondered, well, we'll have a look at this passage in a short while, but in a similar passage in Matthew's Gospel, the people said, Is not this the son of David? In other words, is this not the promised Messiah, the promised Christ? And they did well to wonder that. After all, the whole purpose of Jesus performing miracles and casting out demons was to demonstrate that he is the son of David, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what the Apostle John said concerning the miracles of Jesus in his own, in, in John's Gospel. He said, and many other signs and miracles truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And what we're going to see in today's passage shortly is Jesus performing a miracle, a sign, casting out a demon. That ye might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name or through his name. However, in today's passage, as well as those who wondered if Jesus is the Christ or the Son of God, There were others who were filled with unbelief and they accused Jesus of casting out a spirit, an evil spirit, by the power of the devil, Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the house and it is a reference to the devil. Jesus went on to demolish the assertion that he cast out a demon by the power of the devil. Let's have a look at this passage. Chapter 11 verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass that uh, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, 
every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon them, upon him, and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armour, wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. First of all, we're going to look at when Jesus cast out the demon and the dumb spoke. Look again at verse 14. When he was casting out a devil and it was dumb and it came to pass when the devil was gone out the dumb spake and the people wondered. The devil, that's an evil spirit, a demon. But does that remind you of anyone else I'll make it even easier for you anyone else in Luke's gospel who spoke again having been struck dumb. To be to make it really easy for you, he was struck dumb about nine months earlier. Back in chapter one, an angel of the Lord, whose name is Gabriel, brought news to an old priest by the name of Zacharias that he and his elderly wife would have a son. The son was John the Baptist. Anyway, Zacharias, he did not believe the angel. He was too old. His wife were too, was too old. She was barren. There's no way that they would have a child. But because of his unbelief, he was struck dumb until such time John the Baptist was born. Unlike today's passage, the, the example of someone being struck dumb in uh, when it came to the father of John the Baptist, that wasn't because of demon possession. Whereas today, in our passage, it is demon possession. Either way, God is in complete control. And it need not surprise you that God permits the devil not only to possess and afflict people spiritually, but also to afflict people bodily, such as in their ability to speak as we see in today's passage. As John Calvin said, we need not wonder that so much liberty should be allowed to Satan in injuring the bodily senses when God justly permits him to corrupt or pervert all the faculties of the soul. 
all we have to do is look at Job chapter 1 in the Old Testament. And you look at Job chapter 1, you'll see an example of how much God allows Satan to afflict his people according to God's purpose. We do well not to limit what God permits in order for his purposes to be fulfilled and for God to be glorified. What greater example could there be than when his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross and lifted up to die? Even and especially that was carried out according to the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. As John Gill said, God not only foreknew that it would be, that's Jesus being crucified, but determined that it should be, who does all things after the counsel of his own will, and this for the salvation of his people and for the glorifying of his divine perfections. In fact, when wicked men crucified the Lord Jesus Christ and slew him, it pleased the Lord to bruise his son. We see that in the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God laid upon his only begotten son the iniquity of all who would ever trust in him for salvation for, for salvation from, for sin, from sin and for everlasting life it pleased God to bruise his son when wicked men laid hold of him and crucified him so do not be surprised to learn that everything that happens it only happens because God permits it to happen God is in control 100% Some accuse Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub. We see that in our passage, verse 15. But some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. In other words, by the devil, the power of the devil. Those unbelieving Jews sought to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ by putting him in league with the devil. Can you imagine that? The sinless son of God being put in league with the devil by those wicked men. Jesus then exposed the absurdity of their blasphemous accusation and their sinfully twisted logic by saying that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falleth. What Jesus said there was an example of the phrase, united we stand, divided we fall. If Satan was empowering Jesus to cast out demons, as those wicked Jews claimed, Satan's kingdom would have been divided against itself. How stupid Satan would have to have been to do such a thing, and how stupid were those Jews to even suggest it. As Jesus continued to demolish the accusation that he cast out demons through Satan, he asked those unbelieving Jews, by whom do your sons, in other words, the Jewish exorcists, cast them out? 
those Jews would not have dared to say to Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Therefore, when the judgment comes, God will allow their own Jewish exorcists to condemn them for accusing Jesus of casting out demons through the devil. The Jewish exorcists themselves would never claim to have cast out demons by the power of the devil and so they will accuse those unbelieving Jews of daring to suggest that about Jesus. Look at verse 20 now. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. The Lord Jesus Christ plainly told them that he cast out demons by the finger of God. Not by the the Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, but by the finger of God. In a similar passage in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. Therefore, the finger of God refers to God, the Holy Spirit. That may sound a bit strange to you. Straight, I'm thinking though, the, the, the law, the commandments were written with the finger of God onto the tables of stone. We see there in that uh, something of the Trinity. When Moses was on the mountain receiving those commandments, who was he with on that mountain? I'd say the pre-incarnate Son of God. The law was written on those tables of stone by the finger of God, the Holy Spirit. But anyway, back to our passage now. Not only are those demons, or not only are demons cast out by God, the Holy Spirit, and not by the power of Satan, but also we see that God doesn't need to use an outstretched arm to cast out demons. He doesn't even need to use a hand to cast out a demon. He is said to use a finger, that's all, just a finger. Such is the infinite power of Almighty God. And that reminds me of how the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, will defeat the Antichrist when he comes again. And don't imagine that that will be the mother of all battles when Jesus defeats the Antichrist. It won't. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Did you hear that? Jesus will simply blow his breath upon the Antichrist, the word which is truth, and which is deadly poison to the Antichrist. Thirdly, the kingdom of God has come. Verses 20 to 23. But if I, with the finger of God, the Holy Spirit, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. 
But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armour wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Having demolished the malicious accusation from those wicked and unbelieving Jews that he cast out demons by the power of Satan, Jesus declared that the kingdom of God had come upon him, if indeed he really was casting out demons by the power of God, which of course is precisely what he was doing. And so it was that the kingdom of God had come upon them. Satan, who is elsewhere described in the Bible as being the prince of this world, he is the strong man in what Jesus is talking about. Satan is the strong man. The world is his palace, hence Satan being the prince of this world. And the people of the world are his goods. It's important to understand that it's not just demon-possessed people who are his goods. It's not just the likes of those nasty, wicked Jews who accuse Jesus of casting out a demon by the power of Beelzebub, who are the devil's goods. Not just them. All of you, all of you who are not trusting in Jesus are the strong man's goods, and willingly so at that. You don't get away with it. You are the goods of Satan. The one who is stronger than the strong man is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has overcome the devil. We see that to be the case at the cross of all places, where Jesus, who is God, manifest in the flesh, sacrificially laid down his own life and tasted death for all who he came to save. He died in their place, thereby destroying the devil's power of death, that being the wages of sin, destroyed at the cross for all he came to save. All of you who are trusting in Jesus have been transferred by God from the devil's dark domain into the kingdom of his dear son, that kingdom that Jesus announced in our passage. You have been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus, who was crucified, is risen, and is highly exalted. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has freed you to serve him, your king, in newness of life, everlasting life. Certainly you will, your body, you will die in the sense that your body will part company with your soul if Jesus doesn't come first. But when that happens, you, dear Christian, you have that assurance that you will go to be with Jesus, which is far better, and you will behold his glory. How wonderful is that? By the way, There's no neutrality in this. You're either with Jesus, in other words, you're trusting in him and you're serving him, gladly serving him with thanksgiving in your heart, or else you're against him, as were those Jews who accused Jesus of casting out a demon through Beelzebub. That's you. 
if you are not trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. Fourthly, it's not enough just to clean up your act. Look at verses 24 to 26 again. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the late state of that man is worse than the first. In these verses, the house that has been swept clean of a demon, only to be to end up being indwelt by that same demon again, plus seven other demons, worse than him, denotes the person who has cleaned up his act with regards to his sin. Certainly it can mean someone who has had a demon cast out of him, but it stops at that point there. It doesn't just mean the person who's had a demon cast out of him. It could mean you. You've cleaned up your act. You've identified certain things that clearly are not good in your life. You've made your New Year's resolutions and you have resolved to do something about it as I've done and failed to do so many times in my life. Despite the reformation in that person's life who has cleaned up his act, he is not indwelt by and sealed with God, God the Holy Spirit. Even if a demon has been cast out of him, we're talking about someone who is not indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And that is because he has never been born again. He has never shown repentance towards God. He has never been baptised. He has never called on the name of the Lord. He has never been saved. The point is that it's never going to be enough to have a good old spring clean in your life. Again, even if you've never been demon possessed and had the demon cast out of you, Even so, if you cleaned up your act, it's not going to be enough. As J.C. Ryle said, we must not only be moralised but spiritualised. We must not only be reformed but born again. Hendrickson, the New Testament commentator, Hendrickson described the person who has done no more than put his house in order in the following way. I don't smoke. I don't drink, I don't swear, hallelujah, I'm a Christian. If a telephone pole could talk, it might say the same thing. But a series of zeros does not make a Christian. A million negatives do not produce even one positive. We pity the man with an empty mind. But what about the person with an empty heart and an empty life? Someone who is not indwelt and by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. As we come to a close, we'll apply some of what we've been considering this morning. 
there were those unbelieving Jews who opposed the Lord Jesus Christ. Quite likely they were very moral and upright, at least outwardly. But still they showed themselves what, for what they really were, thoroughly wicked, by virtue of the fact that they accused the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of casting out a demon through Beelzebub, the devil. doesn't get any more wicked than that, does it? Jesus then exposed the illogic of what they accused him of. Although you may never have used such blasphemous language against Jesus like those Jews did, if you continue to reject him, despite coming here and hearing the gospel, anything that you say in support of your rejection of Jesus with regards to what he achieved at the cross, with his, also his sinless life, um, uh, paying the price for sin at the cross, and the fact that he was raised again on the third day for the justification of all he saved. If you reject all of that and continue to do so, you will be every bit as illogical and stupid as those Jews who said that, uh, who said that Jesus cast out a demon by Beelzebub. And I've heard the most ridiculous stuff coming out of people's mind, uh, mouths when they've proceeded to tell me why they don't believe in Jesus, although I've got my Bible open with them and I'm showing them clearly from the Word of God what Jesus has done for helpless, hopeless hell-deserving sinners and still the rubbish that comes out of people's mouths don't be like that don't be stupid rather than oppose the Lord Jesus Christ by continuing to reject him believe that by his death on the cross he has overcome the devil the devil continues to wreak havoc and to hold sway in the world, but he does so because God permits him to do so. He can only go so far. Revelation chapter 20, you read of the devil being bound. Well, he's a spirit creature, so we needn't think of him in chains. But you can think of him uh, like a dog on a very short lead. I keep my dog on a short lead on the prom so he doesn't nick everyone's food. But some people, they keep their dog on a short lead because they're vicious, dangerous. Satan is on a short lead. He has been bound. Uh, and he does continue to wreak havoc in the world. Any Anyone who observes what's going on in the world will know that to be the case. This is the devil's playground, this world. And we read that he goes around like a roaring lion in the world, seeking whom he may devour. I heard someone the other week uh, in their prayer saying that we know that there are no demons in this world. How wrong that was. How wrong. That wasn't just something for New Testament times. Demons, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Read the book of Daniel if you don't believe it. Go and live in India as I did. You smell them almost. Everywhere. 
And so the prince of the demons, the devil, is active in this world. But he can only do so much and no more. The good news is that Jesus has bound the strong man, which apart from anything else means that the gospel of Christ continues to be proclaimed across the world, including in here, in this little church, and day by day, helpless and hopeless sinners are being released and being set free from captivity to sin, Satan and death. Through faith in Jesus, who at the cross declared, it is finished. When he had accomplished the work of redemption that his father sent him to do. Therefore, stop coming out with the lame excuses and all the opposition to Jesus and his gospel probably because you're having such a love affair with the things of this world. And you don't want anything to interfere with your love of the world. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Now is the time to repent, To repent means to have a change of mind. Now is the time to repent, to change your mind. With true repentance must come faith in Jesus. And that is because the biggest and the most important change of mind that you'll ever have is when you go from unbelief to belief in the Son of God. Believing that the Son of God loved you. And gave himself for you. Therefore repent. And believe the gospel. Amen.